I think that although we have a lot of challenges in front of us, um, we have a lot of grit. We have a lot of fortitude in this town. Um, you know, our grandmas were building bombers here, you know, helping win World War II. Welcome back to another episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. My name is Landon. Our first sponsor is Erica with Midwest Fresh Homes. If you are looking to get into real estate game, now is a great chance. Erica is hiring part-time and full-time agents. Reach out to us to get her contact info or just Google Midwest Fresh Homes to find her contact info. Our next sponsor is Il Primo Espresso Cafe. Il Primo is one of our favorite coffee shops in town. Their drink selection is second to none, especially when it comes to their seasonal drinks like their In the Name of Love Latte, You're a Peach Latte, or Cupid's Cappuccino. Stop by Il Primo today to get your coffee fix. Today's guest is Trevor Kratz. Trevor is the CEO of Buddy Brands, which consists of a wide array of pet companies. He's also the CEO of Scan Shop USA and Compel Commerce. We talk all about the start of his first pet company, Buddy Rest, why he owns multiple pet brands, augmented reality, Shopify, and what Wichita needs to do to take the next step forward. Enjoy my conversation with Trevor Kratz. All right, I'm here with Trevor Kratz. How you doing, Trevor? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on. Um, I've been wanting to have you on for quite a while. I know we joked about it at Startup Week that I just hadn't even asked you, but you've been on my list of people to interview for quite a while. Um, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. I, well, I'm fine. I'm glad we finally made the cut and we got together here. There I'm we go. Uh, yeah. So my name is Trevor Kratz. I'm an entrepreneur in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, I've spent the last 10 years working on, in the pet space, specifically on uh, my pet products company. Um, so we got kind of got started at about 10 years ago with Buddy Rest Pet Products. I was working in the mattress industry at the time. And I saw an opportunity uh, with my big dog, Buddy. You know, I was really shocked one day on a routine visit to the vet to discover that his lifespan wasn't very long. You know, I had a poodle growing up that lived to be about 16, 17. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that my Labradoodle was only supposed to live to be about 9 or 10, it was really kind of shocking. And then doing some more research, I kind of discovered that the reason why big dogs uh, don't live as long is because of painful joint problems. Now, the fact that I was working in the mattress industry at the time, and I had seen firsthand how, you know, the right support system and how pressure-free support really make a difference for people, um, I started to look at and see what I could do for my dog in kind of like a more proactive measure. And there's just nothing out there. You know, the dog beds that were considered to be supportive dog beds or orthopedic dog beds were, they were just, you know, crap. They were using the same foam that you use to ship products and not, not to lay on. Right. And so I saw an opportunity right then and there to do something, not only for my dog, but for the millions of dogs out there that are destined to suffer the same fate and, and, and live short lives uh, because of painful joint problems. And so uh, we created a, a, a dog bed, we created a buddy rest. And that's really where our story starts. Awesome. Well, thank you for that kind of quick intro. Um, taking one step back, did you grow up in Wichita? What's your What's your background in Wichita? Yeah, I'm a Wichita native. I've been here my whole life. Actually, at, at one point in time, I think I was maybe 22, 23. I was uh, I was in Germany for several weeks, and I remember thinking, I'm never going back to Wichita. And uh, uh, I'm, you know, it's just not for me. I'm going to explore the world. And then you know, snap forward later, I've got kids and a mortgage, and here I am. You know, it's just like. Uh, uh, the, 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 there's something magnetizing about Wichita, even, though, even if it is not just, not just being your hometown, obviously, but 
Um, as much as a lot of us want to say that we'd like to live somewhere more glamorous or in the mountains on the beach, we find ourselves here, don't we? Yep. That's uh, it's such a common story for sure. Especially like the, the boomerang story. Um, where do you go to high school? Uh, I actually went to circle high school. Into one, okay. So gotcha. Nice. Being, okay. Uh, yeah. I went to grade school in Wichita and then middle school, my parents moved uh, to the edge of town. Yeah. And interesting enough, like the way that the districts were drawn is rather than drive a couple miles to Heights, I ended up having to drive 24 miles to the circle. So I've seen that. Uh, I know it's like uh 21st and like, I can't remember 143rd maybe or something is like still yeah, circle district. Yeah. yeah. It's, but it's, it's just like, it's a really crazy situation because it was really like a cultural shock for me being from, you know, being from a city school to go out to the country where there was only a couple hundred kids in the whole school Sure, um, was pretty, pretty shocking, but uh, it was, it was a cool experience. And, you know, I got, I got, uh, I have some good, I still have some good friends. I stay in touch with this day from, from those days. I have, I've been back to Tawanda once in 20 years though. So it's not <laughs> There's not a lot, a lot of love lost there. Sure. Yeah, I, I feel it. But I kind of lumped that all into Wichita. I'm from Andover. So, um, so from circle went to Wichita state. Um, what was, what was your plan? Like, what were you planning on doing? What did you do right after school before buddy rest came to be? Yeah. I mean, I think like most kids in college, they don't know what the hell they want to do. So they do, they do what I did, which is going to business. Right. It's like, yep. well, I don't really know what I want to do with my life, but I want to have money. So business is <laughs> like kind of like the, the thing to do. Um, and you know, I actually had spent some time, I've done a couple different things. Um, I'd spent some time in, um, uh, in a call center, really. That's kind of where I really got started is, you know, my first, my first job, I worked at uh, North Rock movie theater, which is actually uh occidental management's headquarters now on the East side. Um, and then I went from there, I went to a, um, a telemarketing company called APAC. Uh, which was really interesting because that's really where I found out I had a gift to, to sell. Mm. And um, I started, you know, in my first week on the phones, uh, which by the way, you know, outbound telemarketing, not for everybody, um, not for <clears> most, <throat> but it was for me. Like, I, I found something I could tolerate it and I enjoyed it. I, I, I liked to make that sell. It filled my, filled my cup when I made that yeah. sale. And, you know, within a few weeks, I was the number one salesperson in the call center. A few weeks after that, I had my own team. And then, you know, I found myself uh, as a senior manager with, you know, lots of responsibilities at, you know, at the age of 18, 19, um, <laughs> oftentimes dealing with people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, um, you know, just this punk kid trying to tell them what to do. And, <laughs> right. you know, and it was, it was, it was a really interesting time. But one thing that it did is it gave me a, it gave me a kind of a crash course on, on, uh, on customer interaction, on selling. Um, it's one of those things. It's like the the amount of repetition, the amount of no's that you hear uh, in such a short period was really valuable and beneficial to me. And then it also really kind of inspired me to um, understand. Well, it really, I guess, helped cl- clarify what really matters to me in life. And and what what I mean by that is, I found that my what really filled my cup eventually was actually not selling people stuff, but actually teaching people mm. and uh, training people how to sell stuff. So that's where I started doing some training. Um, I did a lot of the training courses there and, uh, that kind of like launched, launched that, uh, whole, whole thing inside of me that, um, really just likes to teach people stuff. And I still have that today. Yeah, absolutely. I did not know that about you, but I think that's super interesting. I, one of my big questions was where did you learn the sales and marketing? Cause obviously startup company with multiple brands. Now, where does that background come in? Did you learn that on the fly? But obviously you had a little bit of background, at least in the sales and probably, I mean, I can imagine in a call center, you're getting more reps in a, a week, a month, a year than most people have in their whole life trying to sell anything. So I think that definitely probably helps out a lot. 
Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot kind of like playing online poker. You know, if you want to yeah. learn poker back in the day, you'd have to go to the casinos or playing the underground games. But then, the, you know, in my generation, playing, you know, playing online poker, um, you really got to see. You know, you get to see so much so fast. That yeah. The learning curve gets so much shorter, and so yeah, I, got, I definitely had a crash course on sales there. I think my sales career really started when I was at Best Buy. Mm. Uh, I worked at Best Buy when I was. Uh, 17, 18. And, uh, it was a really cool experience. I met some really, really awesome people. And I really, uh, I, I, I really learned a lot of things that I steal from them today. I, their care process, contact, yeah. ask, recommend, encourage. If you look at my employee handbook, uh, <laughs> for sales, it talks about the care process, contact, ask, recommend, and encourage, because that process really translates across to every, every segment of every industry. Right. And in my opinion, there's no reason to have a 15-step sales process when you have a four-step sales process. So I definitely learned a lot from sales there. I learned a lot from sales um, in the uh, in the space at the uh, call center. Um, but when it came to like you know marketing a business and, and selling products online, I didn't know anything. Right. Um, I just knew that uh, you know I knew that the the world has all the information available to us now, and unlike any any other time before us. And it really just kind of depends on what you want to do with it. Do you want to spend all day watching funny cat videos or do you want to level <laughs> up and, and learn how to do something that's going to, you know, help you live a more fulfilling life of significance. Right. And so that's what I did is I, you know, when we started buddy rest is I, I just started digging in and started learning one, you know, being a perpetual learner, I think is one of the most important things you can do as an entrepreneur. Um, and that's you know, just the, the job of learning and upgrading your skills just is, is never ending. And so that's really where I learned is the internet. The internet taught me school of hard knocks. Um, I will, I promise you, I've made almost every mistake you can make in business and in entrepreneurship. And uh, I've learned a lot from those mistakes too. So that's, that's, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. So you go with call center, um, you end up working at a mattress store. Um, and then you have this idea for a dog bed kind of from the concepts and technology and everything from the mattress store. So do you, what does that process look like? You have the idea, you start cutting up mattresses or whatever to make the dog beds. You make that leap immediately. Do you kind of do it on the side for a while? What did that process look like? Yeah, I did it on the side for a while. Um, I, I uh, basically joined forces with my friend, Jordan Tibbetts, who was working in the mattress industry as well. And uh, me and him went at this thing together and, you know, it was a side gig for a while. We, we, kind of had an idea we weren't really sure you know I, I told you kind of the origin story but the next step after that is that we went to um we went to the uh the the dog show that's out uh wolfstock the one that's yeah, out yeah. on mm-hmm. Magic county park this is many years ago this is 10 11 years ago now and uh we worked really hard to kind of we got it we hired an upholstery company that made us like a cover and we, we got a piece of foam and we had like a sample product there and, uh, you know, I had, I had hired some guy in India off some random website to like build us our own website, you know, the buddyrest.com. We had this banner made. It was like a, really like our day in the sun. Yeah. It was a freaking nightmare. Like everything that could go wrong went wrong. Like the guys stopped being responsive the day of our, our we had our website on our banner behind us, but the website didn't take you anywhere. The website didn't mm. work. It wasn't yeah. up. It was a broken domain. Um, we only had one product. We had a lot of people that were asking us like, how much, where can I buy this? And we didn't have one to sell them. You know, it was just, it was that. Right. So out of that day, what, what that did get us is, so it didn't give us any sales. That's for sure. But what it did get us, it gave us the validation to know that we actually had something. We had kind of a unique product right. that people wanted and maybe, you know, it wasn't accessible for everybody. Not everybody's willing to spend a hundred, two or $300 on a dog bed at the time. Um, but 
it gave us enough to know, it gave us enough validation to know that, hey, we have something here. Let's let's keep going. Yeah. And so from there, we actually um, we actually got our act together. We, we ended up getting our website up uh, a couple of days later. And I think a couple of weeks later, we actually made our first sale. Nice. Um, and then uh, her name was Ann Grossman. Shout out, <laughs> Ann Grossman. I don't know where you are here, but uh, that was our first customer. And, uh, you know, a couple, a couple of days later, we got a second one and another one. And then it kind of just started to roll from there. Nice. Um, I think one thing that always sticks out to me is that there's certain industries where people are willing to spend a lot of money. It's like weddings, funerals, I don't know, kids and like pets are like the four that there's really not a budget for, for like dog lovers. Like they don't have a budget a lot of the time. If they really love their dog, it's like a member of the family. So they're willing to spend three, four or $500 on a dog bed if it means their dog is living a better life. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But you know, the way we look at it is it's just not it's not just necessarily like a status or a luxury purchase. Right. You know, our products are designed to last a lifetime of your dog. So yeah, a $200 dog bed might sound like a lot of money. But when you think about what it does for your dog, it improves their quality of life, improves their health, it, re- it relieves arthritic pain, gives them a pain-free haven for them to lay. It just in general makes them a happier and healthier dog. And then you look at the fact that it's guaranteed to last, you know, uh, 10 years or right. life the animal. So, I mean, that's 20 bucks a year over the course of 10 years. Right. And, and then if you look at it compared to the, the, the disposable mentality we have, where we buy a dog bed, we wash it, it falls apart because it's made like crap and we end up throwing it away and buying another one. It actually does make good sense too, but that's, that's, that's a hard point to articulate to people, right? Uh, right, for sure. Tearing down the barrel of an expensive <clears throat> purchase. Right, for sure. Um, so once you guys started, um, and I, I heard you talk about this on a couple other podcasts, but for people that haven't heard those, what was your thought process doing like brick or mortar, brick and mortar versus e-com? Um, what was your thought process? Yeah, sure. So we saw a big opportunity and a challenge to get into brick and mortar. I thought brick and mortar was really the way to go, even though, you know, the, the, the fact is, is that a uh, uh, more expensive dog bed was, was a challenge to be on the shelves. Um, we equated ourselves to kind of the tip of the spear. And if you looked at 10 years earlier, what happened in dog food? You know, people went from buying crap Alpo at the store to buying 60, 70, 80 mm-hmm. bags of dog food to raw food to cooking their own meals for their dogs. Right. And we saw that change and we thought that we would be that change in the, in the mattress industry. You know, why does somebody buy a $70 bag of dog food versus a $20 bag of dog food at Walmart? It's because they care about the health of their animal. And right. so we thought the same scenario, why would you buy a more expensive dog bed, a $200 dog bed or $150 dog bed versus a $30 dog bed? It's because you care about the health of your animal and you want them to be happy and healthy. Um, and so what we found was over the first couple of years, we really pushed that, that narrative. We really, we really got, uh, we had some success. I think we got into about 600 stores, uh, six, 700 stores nationwide, uh, mostly mom and pop, uh, brick mm-hmm. and mortar, independent stores. Um, however, what we found was, is that we were really good at selling them, but they weren't really good at selling them. And so right. what that means for anybody who's in retail or anybody who sells to retail, what's more important than pushing the product is pulling the product, which means not just selling to the, not selling to the store, but helping the store sell it. And then yeah. most importantly, getting that reorder. So we were getting a lot of initial sales, but not a lot of reorders. Mm-hmm. And when we come to figure out why it was because, um, we could articulate the value proposition on why people should make the purchase to that store owner at the trade show or wherever they're making that purchase on the phone. But it was really hard for that, you know, summertime, uh, part-time employee to articulate to that random customer why they should buy this bed. It was just, right. just a big educational component. 
So being, you know, having a background in training, we created some really sophisticated training programs. We really pushed really hard. But ultimately what we found was, is, uh, you know, in this day and age with e-commerce, um, we can sell direct consumer around the clock 24 hours a day without having to train or teach anybody anything. Our website could articulate the value proposition better than a right. store owner could. And so that's really where we ended up. We ended up after about two years of pushing that, um, pushing that wholesale strategy, we ended up switching mostly direct consumer, which is where we still find ourselves today, um, which, you know, we do still stay sell to some stores and there is some right. stores in our country. That's just because we have a much larger scope of what we do now. Yeah, for sure. And I think even, I mean, even just 10 years ago, I feel like compared to 10 years ago, how much more prevalent Shopify stores are and DTC companies are and everything else. I feel like it's just a lot more common to have just DTC rather. You just skip the brick and mortar today versus again, 10 years ago. Well, I think access is, 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 has been democratized quite a bit by companies mm -hmm. like Shopify, for example. Like when we started, uh, we started on a, a platform called Joomla and then we migrated from Joomla to Magento and some people still use Magento today. Uh, but why do we move to Magento? Because Magento is where all the big dogs were. And, 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 and like that, if you wanted to be a serious e-commerce player, you were on Magento. Right. So we wanted to be a big serious e-commerce player on Magento. But what we found out was is Magento requires a significant amount of money and mm. a regular development team on staff. So what would happen is you'd want to go and change like a sale price on something. And I would go in there and I'd make a small change. And the entire, like, the entire code would break and the whole right. platform would collapse. And, you know, we literally uh, spent a couple hundred thousand dollars developing on the Magento, uh, which made it difficult to cut loose of that, which is a kind of a lesson that we learned is that oftentimes you get caught in that fallacy that you're already too, too far in or you're pot committed. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sometimes no matter how much you've already invested, you still got to cut loose and move on to the next thing. Yeah. And that's what we ended up doing. We moved to Shopify. And the reason why I think that's significant, Landon, is because Shopify is now made it Shopify and Wix and GoDaddy and mm -hmm. a bunch of other ones, Squarespace, they have made it to where you don't need a big, large development team. You don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars to develop a website. And, um, you know, it really makes that uh, direct, that makes e-commerce entrepreneurship accessible to, to everybody in their kitchen. Which yeah, is for sure. And I, I think that's what you said it earlier today, but how today is kind of like the best time to be an entrepreneur. Like some people might argue that it's harder today, but really we have way more resources. Like you said, today I can go start a Shopify store and start selling something right now, probably in like 30 minutes. And it took you guys hundreds of thousands of dollars to get that rolling not that long ago. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, today is an amazing time to be alive. For those of you uh, who question it, you know, just look around and you look at what's happening with 3D, AR, VR, um, which is a space that I'm very interested in as well. You look at what's happening with cryptocurrency and NFTs, and you look at what's happening um, with just you know the decentralization of the world uh, in almost every industry in almost every respect. Um, never before have has there been an opportunity to empower people and democratize access to things like information, capital, um, and in markets. You know, to where that people can build stuff, people can do stuff. You know, you just look at like Bitcoin, for example, and, and I don't want to go on a 20 minute tangent on Bitcoin. But the fact is, is that, you know, if you live in Argentina and you hold some Bitcoin and, um, you know, there's a new government comes into power and federalizes all of the banks, they can't touch your money. Right. Which, this, unfortunately, for, for a lot of the world, you know, we, we, we have a lot of the first world problems we deal with here. But for a lot of the world, people don't have, you know, equitable access to things like water and Internet and money. 
and they don't have that kind of control. So decentralizing this um, and giving people the power back and the power to start businesses and the power to own their own money and the power to, to, to really follow their dreams is an amazing thing. And it's unlike anything that we've ever had. Now you couple that with the technology that's out there and technology is really only limited by our imagination. And so this day and age is absolutely the golden age for entrepreneurship. And if you're sitting there on the sidelines wondering if, if this is a good time to get in or not, you're wasting time. So, yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like get in, grab a playbook and get in the game somehow, some way and figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I could go on a tangent off. We have, that could be a whole podcast on itself, but thank you for bringing that up. That was very insightful. Um, I want to talk about, a little bit about, so Buddy Rest was kind of the, the head start. What other brands do you have and what is the benefit to having, I don't know, separate companies under kind of the, the Buddy Brands label? Sure. Yeah. So yeah, Buddy Rest is what we started with, which is our, our world's best dog beds. Then we also have Natural Doggy, which is uh, a natural pet, a natural products company for pets. We sell a variety of like coconut oil, CBD oil, uh, salmon oil, like only derived of, of the best ingredients sourced from around the world, only the best for your dogs. So that's Natural Doggy. That's D-O-G-G-I-E.com. Mm-hmm. And then we also have uh, Pup IQ, which is all about smart products for pets. And then we also have Tough Pup, which is kind of my a personal favorite, which is all about um, tough, tactical products for dogs. Mostly yeah. like more of a man brand, more of like, <clears throat> um, you know, uh, ballistic nylon and, and right. stuff. Um, but the reason for the different brand approach is simple. You know, I've, oftentimes I've been challenged over the years, like, why don't you just make everything under buddy rest? You know, you have all these dog customers. And the fact is that although 50% or over 50% of Americans these days actually have dogs in their home, um, that, that is a, there's a wide variety of dog people. Not all dog people are the same. Right. And so uh, in this day and age, especially when it comes to e-commerce, especially when it comes to direct consumer marketing, we want to make sure that our branding and our messaging is resonating. Right. We can help tell their story through our products and through our brand. And you can't just do that by throwing it all into, under one category. Yes, they're dog people. But there's just so many different dog people out there. And, and, the, and the customer that would buy a Buddy Rest dog bed is not necessarily the same customer that buys natural doggy products or tough pup products. Right. There definitely is some crossover. But um, yeah, the, 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 that's the long answer. The short answer is, is, that, is that you want to have a, a, a really highly targeted approach that's, cu- that's curated for that audience. Awesome. I was curious about that. I'm curious, I guess I'm not super in the space, obviously, but how many other people take that approach? Cause I think that's a great idea. I don't, like you said, it's hard to, if you tried to make buddy rest and then, I mean, I'll include everything, the whole spectrum, most people get confused and just not buy your product, but it's, I think that's a really good approach. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of companies that do it. It's not, it's, it's definitely not anything that's too innovative. I mean, right. uh, if you look at Procter and Gamble, they own pretty much every, that's a, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. You look at, Toyota has uh, Lexus and, and BMW has Audi. I'm yeah. sorry, not BMW. Audi has BW. Um, you know, there's always different strokes for different folks. And uh, I think brands, especially especially in this digital, digital age, it's important that, uh, that, that what you're talking about and what your value prop is, and, and not only that, kind of what your brand is about and the feel of what your <laughs> brand is, is really speaking to that individual customer. If you try to... Um, you know, you mentioned that you get confused and you don't buy. That's true. A confused mind does not buy. But if you try to be something for everybody, you end up being nothing for no one. So it's important to, to really kind of find out who your customer is and go all in on that. Right. Absolutely. Um, so how big is your team uh, kind of across the board for all the brands? 
Yeah, so right now we've got, uh, I think, maybe 17, 18 people right now in our in our facility. I think at peak, we usually have about 20 during, right before Christmas time. Okay, and do all those people work on everything, or what does that look like? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we are, we're, we're full. Well, so, to so take it kind of where we're at today, we're full-fledged manufacturers. So, we manufacture here in Wichita, Kansas. We make a variety of different products for other companies as well as our own. So we make like not only dog beds, we make collars, leashes, we do mm-hmm. some supplementation. We have a small laboratory, you know, um, and we make products for other companies too, like Gunner Kennel Company, CC Animal Health, Wayfair. We, mm-hmm. make, uh, 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 we also do fiber filling and other, other services for other companies. So a lot of what we do is not under the Buddy Rest label or gotcha. okay. body. Um, and so from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, we have uh, anywhere between six to 10 machine operators and production people on, yeah. at any time. And then the rest is administrative staff and marketing. Very cool. Okay. Very interesting. Um, on one of the podcasts, and we don't have to get into specific numbers, obviously, but um, it mentioned, I think, substantial seven figures in sales. Um, did you ever, when you were first making those dog beds, did you ever expect it to be that scale? Or was that always the goal to be that big of a company? Um. I think the goal is I'm an, I'm an ambitious person. Um, I think the goal, I think, I think it's important to set attainable goals, but I think it's important to set those, set that bar high. And yeah. um, we're nowhere near the goals I have for our, our organization. Um, I think that the, um, you know, I remember my boss at the mattress company told me uh, funny enough, uh, told me that, you know, this is kind of a cool thing you got going. I told I, at the time. I told <laughs> you, go back to your go back to your original question. Um, I actually I had I waited to get some traction before I jumped ship, right? Sure. You know, because I had bills to pay and, and whatnot. Yeah. So I was working both jobs at the time, and I remember I remember telling my boss, Oprah has one of my beds because Oprah actually got one of my beds. Oprah's dog trainer, Tamar Geller, um, got some beds specially made for Oprah, and I thought we we thought we were like ecstatic. It was like an yeah. amazing big thing. And I remember telling him Oprah um, has our beds and he thought that was cool. And then he told me like, look, I hope you don't plan on ever leaving anywhere because this is never going to be anything other than a sidekick. Right. And um, shout out to that guy right now, you know, who you are. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, no, I never thought it was going to be a side gig. I always thought we could change the world because I knew that dog beds were um, a commodity based product at the time i knew that we could do something that was more important for the health and the animal and i was really passionate and i still am but i really was really passionate at the time about how our product could make a difference in the world of animals and you know long story short let's take uh, you know take money and, and milestones and all that stuff out of the equation you know we have sold thousands tens of thousands of beds around the world so although we are a for-profit business at least we try to be most of the time you know when my head hits the pillow i feel great comfort in the fact that that my legacy, I guess, whenever that is, is that, you know, whenever that ends or whenever, whenever I move on to the, the next realm, I'll know that, that something I did made a difference and that, that matters to me. And, yeah. and I don't, you know, we're not looking for a medal or anything, but the fact that our, our dogs, there, there's many, many dogs out there that have uh, pain be uh, alleviated, have better quality of lives, to have more time to spend on this earth. Um, that's something that I don't take lightly and something that really matters. No, I think that's really powerful. I'm, I'm a dog person. We've always had dogs. We've got a 
four-year-old uh, Borador chocolate lab, uh, border collie mix. And I think, I don't know, I'm definitely going to start looking at the products a little bit closer. I was looking at the website earlier um, and I was playing around with the AR stuff. And so we'll talk about that here in a minute, but um, I think what you're doing is making a difference. It's really cool. Um, how do you split up your time between like product innovation, I don't know, management, whatever else uh, as the CEO of multiple brands or the, the brand as a whole? Yeah. So, um, you know, in the beginning, there's a lot of different things. I'll just share this because I think it's maybe valuable for anybody who's maybe uh, wanting to get, embark on an entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, in the beginning, you do need to do everything. You have to wear all the hats, right? Uh, everybody always talks about delegating, but delegating is kind of a luxury problem. If you uh, have no money and no product and uh, you're trying to make a business work and there's really nobody you can lean on, you kind of you have to do it all. Um, and so in the beginning, you have to wear many hats. Now, that, that's in that first stage. What that allows you is it allows you to get a really great operational knowledge on a variety of different subjects. You don't have to be an expert at everything, but it really serves you later in life. And what I mean by that is in the beginning, you have to do it all. You have to kind of find ways to patch together, hire freelancers. Um, but as you get to scale, as you start to grow... Um, you really do have to kind of let go, which is, I think, a big challenge. I see a lot of uh, I see a lot of founders and leaders out there that are really their biggest they're, they're their own biggest problem. And I was that way for quite some time, where I couldn't get out my, couldn't get out of my own way. I wanted to control everything rather than delegate and empower people. And so, um, what that does, though, is as you go along, you're able to hire marketing firms mm-hmm. because you know how pay-per-click marketing <clears throat> works. You're able, to, you're able to, to to keep that marketing or you're able to check the performance on your KPIs. You're able to speak the language. Mm-hmm. You're able to make sure you don't get screwed over, which is unfortunately what happens for a vast, vast variety, majority of people. If you don't know anything about marketing, it's really hard to run a business. And if you don't know anything about marketing, it's really hard to hire a marketing firm and trust them to run the business for you because they're really not bought in. And so for me, um, as the years have gone by, I've, I've got some great teammates, um, hired a great COO that's really done a, a great job building the business out, scaling it and kind of taking the day to days. The beauty of um, being an entrepreneur is after enough pain and sacrifice, you start to focus on doing what you really enjoy and everybody else gets to do everything else. And that is actually kind of where I've arrived today is I feel like I get to work, um, you know, you, you have different people call it different things. Um, I call it working within your gifts, um, <laughs> but the other people will call it working within your zone of genius or working, uh, you know, working in your pluses. But, you know, what I consider to be the key to success is working inside of your gifts. What people tend to like to do is what people are good at. What people suck at, they generally usually don't like. There's nobody right. else. So if you can position all of your people in your organization to really work and what the, what what they're good at, that's generally also what fulfills them. Right. That's for me too, is that what I'm good at is the marketing and the sales and the relationships, and the conversation. That's also what fulfills me. What doesn't fulfill me is the spreadsheet work and the data mm-hmm. entry and the HR issues and that kind of stuff. Yeah, of course. So um, now that I'm able to work in my work within inside of my gifts, um, I spend most of my day on sales and marketing and um on the bigger relationship stuff and yeah. I feel, it fills my cup and so i feel really good about it that's awesome um can you touch a little bit on um is it compel commerce and then um go into the scan shop stuff i want to talk about that a little bit yeah sure so um recently i actually have a german a german technology partnership with a company um in germany 
um, that's called Scan Blue, and they have a, uh, a hyperphotogrammetry machine. So they have a technology that takes any product out there and creates a 3D model. And I kind of serendipitously met them through uh, a friend of mine who was on a high school exchange um, from Germany. We became lifelong friends and uh, met them. And they were looking for a North American partner that could take their technology. And I saw how valuable it was for e-commerce. And so I set up ScanShop 3D, which is uh, our North American wing. It's in Wichita. It's located right here in our facility, actually right next door. And what we do is we take items, we scan them, and we create 3D models for, for brands. Why would you want your product in 3D? Because it's 2022. And if you deploy your product in 3D in e-commerce, it increases conversion rates by about minimum of about 30%. So if you wow. give somebody better access to it, yeah. they give them more confidence to make the purchase, increases conversion rates. It also lowers return rates because if you show people what they see before they buy it, it shows up and it's what they see is what they get. Right. They're going to much, much less likely to return it. It also makes content creation much cheaper because you can take that 3D model and put it into some really high quality content right. creation. Um, but also there's a thing called the metaverse people are talking about right now, yeah. which if, if you're a brand and you want to um, onboard your catalog into the metaverse, how do you get your products into that digital realm? Well, ScanShop does that. And we're not the, yeah. we're not the, um, the, the most affordable or the fastest way to do it. But we, what we do is we focus on high fidelity authenticity. So authenticity is the name of the game. Authenticity is the currency that we uh, that we are, are, are spending here. It's we, we want to make sure that when somebody's looking at a product in the digital realm, it is an actual representation of the product, not this right. cartoony thing that somebody rendered somewhere. Right. So that's actually ScanShop. And on the side of ScanShop, I set up Compel. Compel is a marketing agency. It's just getting started. And we're working with uh, brands to basically create that those finished products. So if you have a um, if you have an e-commerce company out there and you want some some help, I was doing consulting on the side anyway. Now I'm doing it through the Compel brand. Um, and if you want some help with your e-commerce, we can do that. But also, if you have assets that just got created or you had got created somewhere else, you want to put them into a virtual photo shoot. You want to put them into um, uh, by virtual photo shoot, I mean having a photo shoot without having a photo shoot. If you have the right. 3D asset, you can actually natively put it into a scene and make it look uh, make it look uh, seamless. Um, and then you can also, uh, um, you know, pr produce some really high quality videos for commercial use too. So that's what we do with Compel. Very cool. That's awesome. That's so cool that, I mean, I think, I mean, some of the bigger guys probably like Target probably has like some kind of AR thing. I don't know how well those work, but I was playing around with, I don't, maybe they don't at all. I don't know. They don't actually. Uh, the reason I know, I'm not that bad is because I've been talking with Target specifically about this. Exactly. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I was, yeah, I have no idea. I was just kind of guessing, but I was playing around with yours and it, it is very realistic. It's pretty cool. Um, and I think on another one of those podcasts, you mentioned how this is different than kind of how 3D modeling was done back in the day. Um, I graduated in 2015 from Wichita State as a mechanical engineer. And so I was doing CAD CAM 3D modeling all the way through school. And so I know a lot about the 3D modeling and the scanning is such a cool way to do it this way. Make it realistic. I don't know. It's really cool. That's awesome. I mean, and look, humans can make beautiful 3D models. There's no doubt about that. But oftentimes, especially if you're talking about at scale, there's inconsistency, right? Right. And when, when you're making, when a human's making a 3D model off of, a, off of a, a product or even a product image, which a lot of them do, it's, I like to think of it, it's kind of like someone painting an art class, <laughs> painting a bowl of oranges, right? Right. Yeah. A lot of people can paint some really great bowls of oranges, but it doesn't really look like that exact bowl of oranges. And, right. And, 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 in this day and age, uh, we need to make sure it's what they see is what they get because the reverse is also true. Is if you if you bought it, if you made a purchase based on a three D model, Landon, 
and it shows up and it's not what you expected, that sucker's going, going right back. back. Yep. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Um, just got a, we got a couple minutes left. Um, I have a few questions that I kind of cherry picked from other podcasts. Um, so we'll go into those and I kind of ask these ones to everybody. Um, so what is something you often recommend to people, whether that's books, podcasts, um, it can be entrepreneurial specific if you like, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, I'll do a couple. So if, uh, from a book standpoint, um, if you're getting into marketing, the 80, 20 rule of marketing by Perry Marshall is a great book talks about how um, 80, 20 rule uh, talks about how that applies to your marketing. You know, 20% of your customers equals 80% of your revenue. How do you focus in on that? Um, that rule is pretty much prevalent across every industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love uh, my other favorite book. I would say is never split the difference with Chris, Chris Voss. Um, yeah, he's great a book. FBI negotiator, uh, really great books, entertaining. Unlike most business books, which are just like God awful long, and <laughs> boring. Um, this is a really cool, entertaining book. Talks about how you can negotiate and use your radio FM voice to really take people to 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 get what you want in life. Whether that be negotiating a business deal, negotiating a car, or negotiating, you know, who's going to show up to your party. You know, understanding how how to influence others is important. Um, you know, from a podcast standpoint, anybody who's and first off, if you're looking at starting a serious e-commerce business. Shopify is the place to be, not Squarespace or Wix um, or GoDaddy. If you really want to do a, a real website, you know, uh, Shopify. And I have not always, by the way, felt that way about Shopify. Over the last several years, they've really turned it up. Um, and if you're into Shopify, a, a great podcast to listen to is the unofficial Shopify podcast by Kurt Elster. Mm-hmm. He's a big fan of him and what he does. Um, the official Shopify podcast is great, too. I've been a guest on that, so I probably <laughs> mentioned them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the end of the day, uh, when I was back, when I was starting this, uh, this company, um, you know, I had a lot of downtime, you know, and I was in a mattress store a lot of the time and, you know, I'd see people watching Netflix all day, waiting, waiting for customers and whatnot. Meanwhile, I was reading articles. So, you know, once again, the access to all of the world's information is in your fingertips. Like never before has the planet had access to this information. What do you do with it is really up to you. And, right. and you, know, you can sit there and complain about why you're not happy with your life. And you can make a million excuses on why you didn't make it happen. Or you can take action right here, right now. And, and sometimes just little actions. Just pick up the phone, read an article about something. Find out something that you're passionate about. Look, learn something. And every time you learn something that you get a little bit better at it. You know, there's a magnet on our refrigerator, our break from the love. And it says that the success is doing the little things every single day. And that's really what it is because everybody wants to see the success curve here, which is what we always present to mm-hmm. right? So this is invest in this and it's going to go like that. But what really success generally looks like is a lot of this. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of like these day in, day out. It's a lot of challenges. And, you know, people say, follow your passion. Um, that's true, I think, to some extent, but passion's not always going to be there. So some days, you know, some days you're going to wake up and that passion uh, to get out of bed to go work on your project is just not going to be there. And so what are you going to rely on? So what I always tell people is follow your passion, but have a deeper purpose below it, you know, behind it. That way, when you're not feeling passionate, that purpose still carries you out to put your feet on the floor, take that step and get going. Um, And so if you can have a life where you're working within your gifts, you have your passion and your purpose. Um, I think that's kind of the secret sauce to really accomplishing your dreams and being and being fulfilled. Perfect. I love that. Um, just really one more question. What does Wichita mean to you? 
Uh, home. Wichita is, look, we don't have the beaches. We don't have the mountains. We don't have the big flashy casinos. Um, we have some amazing people. Um, you know, for years, I never thought that Wichita had anything to offer me from a business standpoint. I was trying to build a global brand in the pet business, and there wasn't many people trying to do what I'm doing. There's not many e-commerce people around here. When I actually stuck my stuck my head out, and I when I joined ETE originally, started getting some press, started meeting people, started going to networking events. I realized not only is there um, is not only is there amazing people in this town, but there's also amazing people that can open up amazing opportunities for you. Um, the fact is, is if you just sit at home and boo boohoo about it, you won't ever find that. And you never know uh, in this serendipitous world where uh, where that next opportunity or that next door is going to open, or where that you know where opportunity is knocking. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. people are are you know busy watching cat videos with their headphones on, so you have to. You know, that whole like luck is, is preparation meeting uh, opportunity. Um, I believe that you have to put yourself in a position to be successful. So what Wichita to me is, is it's a collection of amazing people. And um, I think that although we have a lot of challenges in front of us, um, we have a lot of grit. We have a lot of fortitude in this town. Um, you know, our grandmas were building bombers here, you know, helping win World War II. So I mean, we can do some really cool shit here. And we can really make an impact and really be significant. Um, but uh, it takes all of us to be activated and it takes all of us to, to take a step towards that. Yep. That's a great way to end it, Trevor. I appreciate you coming on. Where can people find you or Buddy Brands or Buddy Rest? Um, if you want to shout out a couple of websites and I'll link everything. Yeah, below. sure. If you're interested in our world-class dog beds, uh, buddyrest.com. Um, interested in the best natural products for your dogs, naturaldoggy, D-O-G-G-I-E.com. Uh, we also have uh, the best CBD uh, for dogs there. So if you have any dogs with pain, mobility, anxiety, um, itching, allergies, you know, think about their happiness too. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. happy, anxious and scratching yourself all day. So do something about that. Um, and then also, yeah, if you're a brand and you want to know more about uh, digitizing your product catalog, uh, scanshop.io. That's S-C-A-N-S-H-O-P.io. Um, other than that, you can find me on LinkedIn, Trevor Crotts, C-R-O-T-T-S. I'm happy to connect with anybody. If anybody hears this and resonated with anything I said, and didn't want to follow up with me or ask me about something, I'm accessible and uh, shoot me a message and, and we can chat. Perfect. I will link everything up. Trevor, thanks again for coming on. I look forward to uh, having you on in the future as you build your pet empire. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yep. it. See ya. Thank you again to everyone that listened to this episode of the Wichita Life Podcast. If you enjoyed, please rate and review our podcast on whatever app you use. If you have any recommendations, please reach out at wichitalifeict at gmail.com. Thanks again.